It's no secret that we love creating the pod. And chances are you love listening to the pod. But do you know what else we really love? Reading reviews of the pod. Do us a solid and let us know how much the pod has impacted you and your business. Whether it's a sappy love note, how much you wish you could meet us in real life, or a step you took in your business because of the pod, we want to hear it. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight-inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes, at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Pod. Hannah is here today, me, of course, and I'm chatting with the wonderful Megan Coulter, a fat positive copywriter and AI educator who's going to school us on all things artificial intelligence, chat GPT, all that good stuff so we can be more empowered to use this as a tool in our businesses instead of afraid. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Megan before we dive into our conversation. Megan is a nurse turned copywriter and AI educator passionate about making the complex world of digital marketing and AI accessible to everyone. Her journey is a bit unconventional. From the highs and lows of being a labor and delivery nurse and nursing instructor to the dynamic realm of digital marketing while navigating being a stay-at-home mom. She found her love for copywriting and digital marketing almost by accident, but it was a match made in heaven. She thrives on learning new skills and applying them in ways that align with her core values and goals. Her approach to marketing and sales is simple. It should never feel predatory. Instead, she focuses on ethical, inclusive strategies that empower entrepreneurs and small business owners. As Megan delved deeper into AI, she realized that it's incredible potential to make solopreneurship more manageable and efficient. Now, as an AI educator, she's on a mission to help others harness this power, unraveling the intricacies of AI and translating them into practical, actionable strategies. Megan's a staunch advocate for size inclusivity and as a copywriter works exclusively with size inclusive and feminist creators and brands. Her passion for these values infuses with everything she does, ensuring that her work not only empowers, but also respects and celebrates diversity. Megan, welcome to the show. What a stellar bio. I love it. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. And you may have been able to tell AI helped me with that a little bit. Oh, wow. Plot (laughs) twist. I didn't even think about that. Um, They nailed it. Of course, I'm sure you tweaked it and gave it that good content and it just tidied Mm -hmm. it up and made it beautiful. But Love it. And it's spot on for you. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, well, thank you so much for taking the time. I think you are such a cool human with the work that you do in our space. And I know I kind of shared a little bit in the bio about how you were a nurse and now you're in the copywriting space, but I'd love to just hear a little bit more of your story going from this very intense healthcare setting into something more behind the scenes where you're in the entrepreneur space. Yeah, it was definitely a big shift and totally unexpected for me. So I was a labor and delivery nurse for about 10 years. Um, And when I decided that I wanted to have a baby, I wanted to move to a little bit of a less um, stressful and demanding role. So I transitioned, I became a diabetes educator, had my baby, 
and then the pandemic hit and everything kind of changed. So I was working in an outpatient office. Patients were no longer coming in to be seen. I ended up getting furloughed and my whole life totally changed. So I transitioned to become a stay-at-home mom. I ended up when my job you know, came back. I didn't have childcare set up. So I stayed a stay-at-home mom. And I think it's pretty common for a lot of people who transition to become a stay-at-home mom that you just end up feeling like you lose a big part of yourself. Mm. And I was totally feeling that. And I was feeling lost and just like I wasn't, I wasn't using a certain part of my brain that feels good to use. And at the same time, I had a friend who was considering leaving teaching and she was going to take a copywriting course and she was telling me about it and it sounded really cool and exciting. And so I decided to join her and I signed up for the course also. And at about the same time that that was happening, I had probably the worst um, experience at a doctor's office that I've ever had where... Mm -hmm. Like it was all of my nightmares as a fat person that I went, he, the first words out of his mouth were about my BMI. He completely shamed me like more blatantly than anybody ever has. He, he was, I, I mean, it's so triggering, but he was like, I can't believe you're a nurse. Like, how could you be a nurse? And wow, it was awful. And I left that appointment feeling absolutely horrible about myself. I had not found the size inclusive or weight inclusive space. I wasn't hearing about it. And I came out of that appointment just like, I'm causing all of my health problems. I'm doing this to myself. I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm the worst. And I don't remember how, but I ended up finding the size inclusive space online. And it was like, my eyes were opened. I had gone over 30 years having no idea that you could be an adult who wasn't on a diet like that. That wasn't a thing to me. Um, and I was like, this is the perfect niche for me. I'm so excited about this. I felt like there are so many people who were just like me who had gone their whole life, never knowing that there was any other way to be. And once I got in, you know, I curated my social media feed and I was following people and it was just this like, amazing community of uplifting and you can pursue health if that's what you want, but that doesn't mean you have to change your body size. And it was just like, it was so great. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to spread the word about this. I want to be in the background. <laughs> I want to, you know, be like essentially a ghostwriter for people and just, you know, help these amazing creators reach more people. And then, um, I also was hesitant to use AI. I avoided it for a long time. And then when I started using it, um, it was like, again, another like, oh my gosh, the amount of time that I could save. And when I'm trying to like get my own business off the ground and I have a preschooler at home and it's just, you know, time was, time was a very, very precious resource and seeing how much time I could save and like, I heard a lot of stuff that made me scared to use AI. And I found out that that wasn't really, that wasn't really the truth. That wasn't what I was experiencing using it. And it feels like such an accessible tool. It's like cost-effective and it's, it's actually pretty user-friendly. And I feel like so many entrepreneurs and solopreneurs are scared off of it. And I was like, okay, 
a new little side mission. Like I need people to know how to use this in a way. It's not scary. You do not have to be techie. You don't have to, whatever. You're not going to sound like a robot. You're not going to sound like everybody else. And I just like copywriting is fantastic and I love it. And it's definitely a skill set that I continue to hone and, and, and AI doesn't match the skills of a copywriter. But Amazing. for a lot of entrepreneurs starting out, like you, you can't always use a copywriter. Okay, I want to pause you before we go further because I'm like, oh my God, you said 10 things and I want to dissect right. them all and I hope I remember them before we dive into AI stuff, which I love that little that little uh, trailing thought of like, this doesn't have to be scary and like you should use this in your business because yes, I want to dive into all that. But first, thank you for sharing your story about like your background, starting as a clinician, one, I think that's so special having that experience and then bringing that into the entrepreneur space. And I'm also so sorry that you had that experience at the doctor. And I know many people listening either have clients that they're like, yeah, this is day-to-day life for them, or they are someone who relates to that too. And they're like, I fucking have been there and it's awful. And I Love that you're taking that energy and fueling it towards the bigger mission of uplifting folks in the weight-inclusive, size-inclusive space so that that can be more powerful than these shitty-ass doctors who think it's okay to treat people like that because of their size. Mm -hmm. Um, So I just think you're so freaking awesome and hate that doctor. Right? Me too. I left the only, uh, like, Google review I've ever left. Negative. Oof well-deserved to that guy. (laughs) Copywriting is such an art. I will tell you, I am a visionary thinker. I can come up with the ideas. I really thrive through the content producing of using my voice and copywriting is my nemesis. I'm like, let's talk off mic because I need some help from you. Tell me why you like copywriting. Tell me more about like being good at something like that. Cause for me, I'm like, what are words? How do I say this in a way that grabs people? Like, what is your experience as a copywriter? Okay, so first of all, it's so much harder to write for your own business. It is so much harder to write for yourself. So since you think like your brain thinks like that and you love that, like I bet you'd be a good copywriter too. It's really, really hard to write for yourself. Um, I just, I think when I got into it and I was learning about it, I actually, this is going to sound so weird, but I saw so many parallels, or I guess I I could see the predatory nature of diet culture in when you start learning copywriting. I thought it was like weird at first as I was learning techniques that like there would be these little, I don't know, warnings that were like, only use this for good, essentially saying only use this for good, not evil. And I was like, this is so weird. But like they really were teaching kind of like psychological tricks and I found that really distressing and disturbing. Um, And then I kind of, you know, you can see in diet culture how these things are used, how this messaging is used and how you can kind of create the cult of diet culture. And I think that in general, marketing and sales and copywriting has come a long way from like the original stuff that you get taught. But I found that so fascinating, like a puzzle to learn. Like, how can you take these things and how can you reach people emotionally without manipulating them and without kind of preying on them. And so I, I just, that's like a challenge for me that I love. 
That is so interesting and totally makes sense. And I'm glad you used the word manipulation because in my brain, I was like, isn't that manipulation? Um, at the same time, one, I love that you're kind of into the ethical stuff. It's like, okay, how do I sell people something that I know they want and need in a way that doesn't feel like they're being talked into something? It's almost the difference of anticipating what their brain wants to hear and knowing what to say that's going to help them get the thing that they need. And that's so different than being like, you better work with this person, you piece of crap. Like, you know, mm-hmm. um, I find like if you come from the headspace of like, I'm not trying to convince anybody to work with anybody. I'm trying to get the right clients and the right clinician together because they're a match and that will, they suit each other. And um, I'm like opening your eyes to something that will be helpful and that you need. And so you're only hitting on the right target audience and you're not trying to like convince anybody or, or persuade really. I mean, copywriting is all about persuasion, but to me, it's like, it's just finding the right connections and linking mm. the people up together. It feels so much less manipulative that way. Well, and it's a win-win situation, right? Like everybody feels good. The the client, the clinician, the copywriter who did the matchmaking. I think that's such a, a sweet way to do it. And not in a like infantile kind of way, but just, oh yeah, that's the kind of sales like this client wants to be sold to in this way. And this clinician wants to sell in this way. So mm-hmm. that's awesome. Before we dive into AI stuff, I want to just wrap up copywriting and ask you, like, what does it look like when you are a ghost copywriter? When I think of copy, I think of a website, but what all can it look like where somebody doesn't have strong writing skills or they want like an outside perspective to speak on their behalf? Like, where all can you be in that? Um, Everywhere. So really anything that has writing on it that you want somebody to seek an action it's a copywriter who can help you with that. So whether it's emails, a blog, educational materials that you're giving out to clients, all of that stuff, the stuff that copywriters can help with, eBooks, like you name it, they can do it. And I think a good a good copywriter is somebody who is really good at listening and can kind of get into your psyche and understand where you're coming from and what your goals are and then, you know, on a more technical aspect, understand your tone of voice and your vibe and kind of what you sound like. They'll take a look at your social media and your website and talk to you and ask you, like, sometimes the questions that I ask people, I'm like, I know this sounds so basic, but I just want to hear how you would say it. Because people write and speak really differently. And copywriting is a lot about bringing kind of the emotion and the tone that you speak with to your website, to your emails. You made me giggle with that one because like, yes, when I'm writing, I'm like, hi, I'm Hannah. And when I'm speaking, (laughs) I'm very animated and can just express myself better. So I love that as part of your process, you're asking people to answer the questions to you through their voice because it is so different. And I know for me, it's so much easier for me to just talk versus trying to portray that through my writing. It's, It's almost like my mind goes a mile a minute and so does my mouth, but my my pencil or typing is just so slow. And it's just, um, my therapist recently called it like hitting a crossroads in your brain where there's like a four-way stop and all the cars are trying to go at once. That happens to me so often when I try to write. So yeah. And any kind of education you have like worked hard to write, to, to train copywriting out of you. 
right? Like you always write more formally than you speak. And if you were to write in the way that you speak, you would have gotten corrected in school. Like, dang, totally. That is so true. Ugh, it's like one of the the ways that mainstream education has taken away our creativity. Anyway, conversation for another day. <laughs> how did you get into the AI space? And how does it, how do you play with AI right now? So I got into AI probably the same way that most, you know, you or your listeners have too. It was just by kind of playing around with it. Except that once I got into it, I loved falling down the rabbit holes. I loved trial and error. I loved seeing like, if I tweak the way that I speak to chat GPT, what does it say back to me? And how can I get it to, you know, trial different tones? And how can I get it to actually try to write like me? Because... Even when you feel like, oh, okay, this is kind of a more conversational way of speaking. This doesn't necessarily sound like a robot. The more you use ChatGPT, the more you can just pick out a copy and paste of ChatGPT thing like so easily. Um, and so I, I loved spending nights watching YouTube videos about it and trying stuff. And I just loved it. And I realized like, you know what, I can help other people get this who don't have either the time or the inclination to take those deep dives and dive down the rabbit hole. I found that in nursing, I always gravitated towards education. I was a childbirth educator. I was a diabetes educator. I like, I love, I was a nursing instructor. I became adjunct faculty. Like I just love, I love teaching. And so to be able to combine kind of these two things, three things really, because I feel like some of my clinician background comes into play too. Um, it's just like, it, it lights me up and it was so much fun. And I was like, okay, this is, this is the direction I'm going to go. Cause I really love doing this. I can tell by the way you're lighting up talking about it too, which I just think is so nerdy and I greatly appreciate. <laughs> I feel like that in talking about group practice, I just get all weird and everybody's like, no, oh, why are you like so excited about leadership and conflict resolution? And I'm like, ah, I just am. And I see that energy from you uh, about AI and I love it. And I love that you go down rabbit holes. I think that's so fun. And I'm sure makes you laugh um, at the things that you found. <laughs> why are we afraid to use AI? Okay. So I think a big part, there were a couple of things for me. One, especially as a copywriter, I really was hearing about AI as like, AI is coming for your job. AI is going to replace you. AI can do all of the writing for you. And this is like, a, the more I get into it, like, yes and no, because AI is really good. And I think that AI can get you, once you know how to use it, I would say like 70 to 80% of the way there. And that's huge. Um, I still think that there is a time and a place for a professional who knows exactly what they're doing. And that is, you know, copyright, like you said, is like an art um, and AI isn't there. I do think in terms of copywriting, AI is going to replace mediocre copywriters or bad copywriters. Um, but I think that was one fear and it was like, AI is my direct competition. So I'm not going to look at it. Like, I don't, I don't want to see it. And then the other thing that I hear a lot in our circle is like, if you use AI, you're going to sound either like a robot or like everybody else. And like, that sounds reasonable. That sounds pretty true, but it's not. And I think, I think that's part of why I'm so excited about it is because you can use AI to complement what you do 
um, and make life easier for you. And you can still keep your unique voice. You can still sound like you. You can still keep that like human interaction and touch is at the heart of everything we do. I feel like especially like weight inclusive entrepreneurs, like there's such a human connection there inherently, I think. And you can use AI without getting rid of that. I love that you compared AI to a a mediocre copywriter and how it's going to take over that job. And I'm like, yeah, AI kind of is one step above that, right? And can give you something as a shitty first draft. And then the art is going in there and tweaking and making it your own, um, which we were kind of doing from our brains inefficiently anyway. When I think about AI, I used this example earlier of a calculator of like, you know, I crushed it in kindergarten when we had the times tables, like one through 10, I could still, uh, we used to have like a hundred on a page and you'd try to be the first one to finish. Yes. And then you'd get a candy bar. It was great. I'm like, bring it back. That's so fun. But like, I don't need to store that in my brain when I have this tool. And I kind of feel AI holds true to that as well of like, you need an outline for something ask AI for it. And then you fill in the details and then throw it back through AI and see how they rework it. Like it's really just yes, an idea exactly. generator. Exactly. Or like, I think of it as like, before computers were mainstream, there were people who could do these really complex things that computers do for you, but it was super labor intensive. It was hard work and it took a long time. And then computers came around and it's like those people who were doing the things that computers could do now had two options of either being like, that's a machine and I'm a person. Um, don't trust a machine, only trust me and rail against computers. Or they could say, hey, I could use computers to become way more efficient. And then I can release my brain to work on other things. Like I can, I can, I don't know. I found for myself that I feel so much more creative when I use AI because the pressure comes off. Like, I'm not, I'm not putting in all the time with those like shitty first drafts, like sloppy copies took me forever. And now AI writes me in a minute and I can go in and like, you know, fix it and change things. But like, I don't have to spend so much time on that first draft, which like always took so long. Absolutely. Also, you just unlocked a memory for me of sloppy copy and my (laughs) sixth grade heart. So happy. Um, Shitty first draft is like the Brene Brown adult version of that. But sloppy copy (laughs) was the OG. And yes, AI can give you sloppy copy. I want to take a step back for a moment in case this is someone's first exposure to AI or chat GPT. Can you just like kind of loosely define those things? Tell us like we're in kindergarten what what these are are they programs are they terms so ai stands for artificial intelligence and it's like um a branch of computer science that um creates machines that can do tasks that are typically done by humans or require human intelligence um so it's about machines learning from data to make decisions or really predictions um which it's it's really strange when you think about it like that, that it's predicting what to say next. Um, Chat GPT is an example of a generative AI. Um, That's a type of AI that uses natural language processing. So it's trying to sound like a human and it does a pretty good job of that. Um, And this, I think is so fascinating. Like when you ask it a question or give it a prompt, it was trained on the entire internet as of, I believe it was 2021. It read the internet 
and stored that data and learned from it. And what it was learning was like how words work together, syntax, grammar, um, how conversations work and back and forth works. And so it predicts what to say next. And when you ask it a question, it predicts what the answer would be to that. <laughs> that means sometimes it goes off the rails and it gives you a wonky answer that makes no sense. <laughs> but I found even just in the past few months, um, you know, ChatGPT and there are other similar Bard, Koala that, I, I think they're getting, you know, we're watching in real time as they get better and better. Well, and part of ChatGPT and AI is they're learning from us too. As we're asking questions, it's like they're getting our data as well. And so, you know, my clinician brain is like, people, please do not put any HIPAA information in there. That's a big ethical no-no. But know that as you're using ChatGPT, you're training it, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's really interesting. I I am a little bit confused on how they're using our data because they'll say like, no, we're not we're not learning from you, but we might learn from you. So we <laughs> put in there. So like, I say, err on the side of caution. Absolutely, de-identify anything. Treat it as if you were talking to the local newspaper. Oh, I like so that. If you're gonna put information into ChatGPT. You want to make sure that you de-identify anything. You don't want to get yourself in a HIPAA situation. So I, when I was growing up, my mom like totally made me scared of journaling because she had said like, don't ever put anything in writing that you wouldn't be okay being in the newspaper. And for me, that just kind of works with AI. Like I just want to make sure and coming from a nursing background, like I don't want to put in anything that it may, something may malfunction or whatever. When you ask it, it says that it's not data mining, that it's not taking everything that you say. There are certain things like when you go into chat GPT, you can ask it a question, it gives you an answer. And then there's a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And you can say whether it was a good answer or a bad answer, and it will regenerate. And then it learns based on that is what it says is when you give feedback and say that was good or that was bad, that that's what it's learning on. Um, I think there's a lot of parts of AI that still feel like the wild, wild west. There's like regulations are up in the air, laws are up in the air, ethics is up in the air. And so, especially in this time when like, there's a lot of stuff that's not defined, I say air on the side of caution. Good disclaimer. The other thing that I heard recently about the ethics of AI and ChatGPT and how it kind of trained itself and you spoke to, <laughs> it trained itself of the whole internet in 2021, of just the implicit bias that comes through us as humans and how AI is likely very white and very affluent and very um, not inclusive of everybody. And so that's <laughs> something to keep in mind too as we're using it to speak on our behalf or using it as a way to communicate with clients. Like who are we sounding like if we don't then edit that? I, um, that part was really important to me. And, um, you know, something like chat GPT, there's a part where you can tell it instructions that it's going to remember from conversation to conversation. Um, so I make sure that it knows some of my values, what is important to me, that diversity is important to me. It does have bias, but I would argue that everything has bias. Yep. Um, and there were certain aspects, 
like if we look at it from a size inclusive or weight inclusive um, aspect, I one of my first blog posts that I wrote as a copywriter um, was for a diversity and inclusion um, company, and they had me file, follow style guides. And I was like, I can't follow the style guide because it says to use like person with obesity, that that's the preferred term to use. It says to use whatever, like, and then when I go into chat GPT and I say, I'm size inclusive and fat positive, it, it switches its bias to be aligned with my bias, which is fat positive. Um, and I also think it's really interesting. I also ask it sometimes to give me, to play devil's advocate and give me opposing opinions and, and, like, what would somebody who disagrees with me, what would they say about this? Like, there's some some role-playing in that that's interesting and fun to work with. Um, That is so cool. I never have thought, like, I've been down some rabbit holes with ChatGPT, but I've never been like, tell me what somebody who doesn't think like I do would say to this. Um, that's so interesting. I want, I want some prompts. I don't know if you have this, but some prompts to just, like, mess with ChatGPT with and see, see what's okay, up. Okay, so... This is another reason that I think people are scared to use chat GPT prompting and prompt engineering is something that um, at least before I started getting involved with AI, it scared me. I kept hearing AI's output is only as good as the input. So you have to make sure you're giving it really good prompts or it's going to give you bad output, which is true, but it's so much easier to write a good prompt than anybody would have you think. So for me, I think the easiest way, a really beginner way to write a good prompt of anything that you want to ask, ask it whatever you want. I saw an example recently, um, somebody in my, you know, AI sphere wrote into chat GPT and said, I made mashed potatoes tonight and they were super lumpy. What did I do wrong? And they gave you like a really generic answer of like, here's 15 things that could go wrong when you make mashed potatoes. My thing, and she used this, after you ask whatever question, you just say, Ask any clarifying questions you have before you answer. And it will come back with like a bunch of questions for you. And what it's doing in that, con it's getting context. It's getting who you're writing for. It's getting how long your answer should be. It's getting whether it should have a role or not. It's getting what your end result, like what, what do you actually want from this? Which like, those are the important pieces to a prompt. But if you don't want to store them and remember those, if you just hack on, ask many clarifying questions you have before you begin, you can type them onto any question you have for ChatGPT, and it gives you great outputs most of the time. Oof, good tip. Okay, so we're obviously talking to a lot of clinician entrepreneurs here at Weight Inclusive Innovators. What are three to five things, not to put you on the spot, that we should be doing in our businesses with AI right now? Like what are tangible things for us to try, for us to be more efficient at in a business where we're making systems, we're tracking finances, we're doing clinical work, like any ideas? So there are some really cool ways to use AI in business. You can use it to help you with scheduling. You can use it to help you with, you can actually train a chat GPT chatbot to go on and learn everything about your website and then be a real-time chatbot that potential clients can come to and ask it a question and it will give you, it will give them answers based on you and your practice. So that can streamline 
answering questions so quickly because people are getting immediate feedback. Um, you can use AI to develop educational resources. If you are using social media, you can use AI. I love using AI as a social media strategist for me because that is not my, my brain is like not really made for figuring out what to post on social media and when. And so you can use ChatGPT to give you a really nice table that you can just copy and paste right into Google Sheets that has like the date and what type of content and what the topic should be and what keywords are or hashtags. And then an example of, um, you know, what your, what your caption can be for it. You can use it to help you with blog writing if you're using blogs to, um, to get traffic. You can use it to help you with SEO if you want to get more traffic to your website. Oh my gosh, all kinds of things. It's really great. If you're getting a lot of feedback from your clients, you can enter that feedback into ChatGPT and it can pick out, it's really good at recognizing patterns. So it can pull out patterns and kind of help you be like high level look and see what are people saying? Where are the patterns? What are things that you could change? What are people looking for? What sets you apart? There are so many so many, I feel like I gave too many points for like, where should you start? Um, but if any of those spoke to you, start there. And it really, I promise it is easier than you think it is to use AI. Um, that was a stellar list. I'm definitely <laughs> going to go back and listen to this episode again and pick some <laughs> out. It's funny because I'm, I'm in the group practice coaching space and a lot of, you know, what I would help with people has shifted since AI has kind of came up. Like we would use time in session, like looking at people's websites, doing a little SEO and things as one tiny piece of what I could do with people. And now I'm like, hey, for your to-do, you're going to plug your website into ChatGPT and ask it questions and ask how you can prove your SEO and then come back to me and tell me what it says. Because that doesn't, like I can do the higher level stuff with people. I don't need to get that into the weeds. And AI is a great way to do that. And it's probably is way better are, than me. There are even like, like I have a plugin um, that works along with ChatGPT for me that's from Keywords Everywhere. So like it's pulling real-time data and like looking at cost per click and like pulling all of that information for me so that I can say like, you know, this is what my website is. What keywords should I be using? Like it's, it's a huge time saver. Like it's my big thing. I'm going to say it a million times. It can save you so much time. You referenced earlier saying that it's true AI and ChatGPT and tools like that can get you 80% there. And I think that's so important of it's it's going to be efficient for you to use this tool. It's not going to get you all the way there. You get a B minus, but you as the human part can make it get to that 95%. Yeah, but you're and you're not spending that 80% of your time getting there. And like, I, you know, I just, I don't know if you feel the same way, but, and I know that I said this before, it had, I feel like it has freed up so much brain space and creativity for me that not only do I feel like it's saving me time, but I feel like it's giving my brain the space back to like get into a more creative zone and just, I feel like it's helping me improve without it's, necessarily like giving me instruction or telling me how to improve, but just like giving my brain the freedom to relax and my time can be spent doing the things that light me up 
instead of the things that like I have to do to get to the things that light me up. This is really inspiring me to think about how I can use AI more. I know me as a neurodivergent person, sometimes just getting started with something new, like a tool like that, where it seems like the opportunities are endless, but I don't even know where to start, kind of puts that barrier there for me. And I I think what I'm getting from this conversation is like, just try one thing. Yes. And I have a neurodivergent brain also, which I think is why once I was like, let me actually try it. I was like, whoosh, like, okay, now I'm going to learn everything about everything. Cause I just think it's super cool. Oh yeah. New hyperfixation mm-hmm. AI. Is there anything that I didn't ask you about AI that you think our listeners should know? I would say if you are a clinician who's going to be using AI in any kind of patient or client facing way is to kind of get clear on what's important to you in terms of your ethics and transparency. So it's really murky. Like we've talked about there's regulations are up in the air. For me personally, it feels better to me to be really clear about when people are interacting with me and when they're interacting with the bot. So you know, I think a lot of people on social media now use the, you know, comment this word to get a link to whatever. I always make my thing say like, hi, this is a chat bot <laughs> answering you way faster than Megan ever could. Because I just don't want people thinking that I'm like pretending that it's me. Or if I ever end up putting a chat bot on my own website, I want it to be clear that they're talking to a chat bot. That's just something that feels good to me. That feels right for me. Um, I think that until there are more regulations in place, we kind of all have to think critically about what feels good and aligned and right in terms of using AI in your business. That is probably the most important thing from this conversation as we are not just in a space where we're tech bros selling, you know, software and things like we're actually in the mental health healthcare space where our interactions with people matter. And it you're so spot on. It is true. People need to know if it's a chat bot or you because you're building trust and relationship. You just made me think about recently, I follow a lot of money influencers and bloggers on Instagram, just trying to learn all the things. And one of them recently was like, hey, we're doing this challenge, like comment here if you want me to message you something. I'm like, how the F do they have capacity? They have like hundreds of thousands of followers. How are they going to message all the people who are commenting on here? And now that you gave the example of like a chatbot, I'm like, oh my God, they had a chatbot that was triggered when I commented the word to message Mm -hmm. me. How the fuck do you set that up? That's crazy and awesome. It's many chat. It's super easy. Okay, we all need a training from you, Megan. <laughs> Tell us what do you what do you offer? How are you supporting clinicians in this space? Like when somebody comes away from this episode and they're like, "Oh my god, I like need to start somewhere." Like what do you what do you offer? So, I have a couple of one-on-one offers. I um do one-on-one calls where we kind of talk through your business and specifically for you ways that you can use AI and we kind of talk through what you're comfortable with and do like a little mini training together if that's what you want. Um, And I also do um, a chat GPT based brand voice guide um, where I do kind of the typical brand voice guide that I would have done before I ever used AI. And I also include sections of like chat GPT has little sections of what do you want chat GPT to know about you? 
to carry through all of your conversations and how you want ChatGPT to respond. Um, so I kind of give you things that you can input there to get ChatGPT writing more like you on the first try most of the time. Again, it's not going to be 100%, but like 80% of the way there. Um, I have... <coughs> so sorry. I have a guide um, right now that's like how to start using ChatGPT if you just want to kind of play around with it and get to know it and see what it can do for you. That's a free guide. Um, and it's really based more on social media and how to use ChatGPT to help you with content creation. Um, and it has that one has some specific prompts that you can use, um, as well as tips and tricks for creating your own prompts. And then I have two courses that are in the works. And I think those are kind of going to be more the direction that I go. So one that's in, develop in development right now is Prompting Made Easy. That's like a little tiny mini course. And then my bigger course is called Automate with Integrity, the four-step guide to mastering ChatGPT, which I'm really excited about. Um, that has been like my baby that I'm working on. So I have a four-step framework that I use to kind of make ChatGPT really accessible and easy to use for any kind of content that you might want to be using. So, um, and you can find all of my stuff in my stand store, which I think you're going to link in the show notes. Absolutely. We will link all of that. Before we end our call today, I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. And the way this works is you say the first thing that comes to mind when I ask you a question, are you ready? I hope so. If your business was an animal, what animal would it be? I think it would be an owl. I feel like when I think of an owl, they're just like slow. They take things in, they learn things. And then like, not to call myself wise, but like, I feel like that's the like, I'm going to be slow, take my time, learn stuff, and then share it. I think you're wise. It's okay to call yourself wise. <laughs> What's your favorite part of being an entrepreneur? Oh my gosh. I love that I get to choose who I work with and how. It feels so good to always be excited about what I'm doing because I feel like I'm helping these awesome people reach more people. What is your morning routine to get ready for the day? Oh, I totally don't have one and I should. My morning routine is that I sleep in as late as I possibly can and then just try to race out the door and get my daughter to school on time. Okay, every parent responds with that. So you're in <laughs> solidarity. If you had $10,000 to spend on your business today, how would you spend it? Uh, I know it's not what I should do, but I would take a million classes. I love taking, oh my God. If money was no object, I would be in a new course all the time. I love that. I'm a student for life as well. And I wish somebody would pay me to learn mm -hmm. instead of the other way around. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's the hardest decision you've had to make in your business? You know, I don't know if this counts, but like I hit a point fairly early on, like I would say 10 months into my business where I got hit with imposter syndrome so hard and I just wanted to pack it in and stop. And the decision was really just like committing to myself and knowing that I'm confident and I'm learning and I am always open to learning. I am a lifelong learner and I can just keep moving forward. Mm, 
That is such, I have chills. That's a huge mindset shift. We've all had to be through. And it's so fun to see you on the other side of that because you're very confident. This is your shit. Like I can tell. And so I'm glad you, you pushed through that hard moment. That's <laughs> awesome. What's your least favorite task that you've happily outsourced? Oh, um, graphics. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's kind of fun in a way, but like I could spend hours and hours and hours and hours in Canva every week. Um, and I actually right now have somebody that I'm working with to make the workbook for my courses. And it's like, oh my gosh, what a joy to just see my workbooks like showing up instead of spending so many hours on them. Love that. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? I want to say what I'm having for dinner tonight, but I haven't eaten it yet. That's okay. We'll take it. My TikTok got full of like this spicy ramen and, and I was influenced and I bought it. And so I have all these spicy ramens waiting for me. I'm so excited for it. Incredible. I've also been influenced well by Instagram reels. I'm not on TikTok. I can't, I know it would be a time suck. So my TikTok is Instagram reels and I've been heavily influenced by recipes on there. So I feel that, um, their marketing is working all over mm -hmm. social media. So love that. Megan, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. This was so fun. And I learned a lot. I know others are going to learn a lot. What is your website so people can find you? We'll link all your stuff in the show notes, but in case somebody's like ready for just your website, let's tell yeah. them. So my main website is megancolteragency.com. And then my stand store is just stand.store slash it's Megan Coulter, which is all my socials are it's Megan Coulter. Awesome. Oh, and side note, this is very strange. Um, <clears throat> it can be very hard to find me on social media. The word mega is blocked on Instagram. And so my name gets blocked and my profile gets blocked a lot. So even when you search my name, I don't always show up. So um, if you go to my stand store, it can link directly to my socials and you can find me that way. Such an interesting thing that I never knew. And that makes sense. It was a terrible realization. <laughs> like, why am I named this? I was like, why can people not find this when they're putting my name in? And then like somebody who I'm connected to, who I'm friends with, searched me and I didn't show up for her either. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators podcast. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe to the pod on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Please leave us a rating and review. Check out Megan's work, share with a business bestie, and check out our website at weightinclusiveinnovators.com. We will see you next week.